0: eat on the uh, uh but i realize i'm not going to be able to get dinner because i have to go straight home and take max all right
1: well we're on so uh whenever you want to begin after that last bite maybe
0: okay <laughs> all right three two one welcome to recovery in the middle ages the podcast about two Middle aged suburban dads and their pursuit of life, love, and recovery. I'm Nat.
1: And I'm Mike, reporting to you live or almost alive from the great city <laughs> of Pittsburgh.
0: Yes, welcome to a very special edition of Recovery in the Middle Ages on the road from Pittsburgh. Why are you in Pittsburgh? What are you doing out there?
1: I got a work thing.
0: A work it's the first thing.
1: the first work thing since the descent of uh COVID back in March. Um I go to these different spots around the country to do my job and apparently uh, anything within driving distance is uh, something that I uh, need to go to so I uh, packed up my suitcase and got on the
0: road so yeah this is the first time we're not in studios so that's right I'm at the studio and uh, Mike is at some seedy motel Mm. bathroom I think Where, where are you set up
1: I wanted to do it from the hotel bar, actually, but uh, they're blasting some kind of techno music down there, which is very strange because the lobby is totally dark. Uh, right. And it's just this one goth looking receptionist who apparently uh, has been given free license to just uh, tear it up with the sound system. Um, so I couldn't do it from down there. I mean, there are other reasons why I shouldn't do the show from the hotel bar. But yeah. really, it's it's uh, uh, I'm a bit of a stickler for ambient noise <laughs> getting getting in. So yeah, that, I'm that's why we're, I didn't do it from there.
0: We're hoping so. If this episode sounds different from the other ones, um, we are definitely in a little bit of a different scenario, but we, we didn't want to put it off. Um, we had a lot to talk about this week and we want to keep it going. Um, make sure you like us on Facebook, rate, review, and subscribe on Apple podcasts and follow us on Twitter. Yeah. And a Very special announcement! MiddleagesRecovery.com is now live.
1: So, yay!
0: Yay! So we've got a home on the internet.
1: I don't uh, have my board, like, Nat. I can't. Nope. I can't make sound effects. It's driving me crazy. <laughs> my finger was going for the applause button there. <laughs> I got nothing. <laughs> yeah.
0: and, Sorry
1: uh, for interrupting. Please. It's
0: very exciting, and um, you know people don't really use websites the way they used to, but it is important to have a home you know, we have the emails at middle ages, com, And, um, it's a very simple website. It links to our social medias and how to get the podcast. And hopefully we'll have some, um, uh, all kinds of stuff on there. Merch. One of these days we'll have t-shirts, hats, water bottles, lighters,
1: stickers, stickers, stickers bongs
0: is for your jacket and, uh, all kinds of things that I think, um, Nobody would ever buy, but it would look cool on a website. Should we write articles and stuff or no? Um, I don't know. Do you want write- to
1: read that stuff anymore?
0: I don't think anybody reads Did it.
1: you have a blog? I had a blog.
0: Did you blog? You were yeah. blogging. What did you blog about?
1: I blog. Oh God. Politics. Way oh. back in, in a simpler time.
0: Right. So you actually, you had a, a, a politics where you would just like whine about what's going on in politics or.
1: Uh, yeah.
0: reporting.
1: It was about uh, three years I kept that up and I had about 15,000 page views. So I was was pretty happy with that one.
0: Those are definitely not Russian bots. Those are absolutely.
1: No, no, no. Uh, Well, it's a long story. Maybe we don't need to go into it. But I I did have a friend who had some connection with the CIA. So apparently all uh, CIA officers and some other people would be reading the blog. And not liking what they were reading. So I don't know. I might be on a list somewhere.
0: <laughs> That's not good. You don't want to be on their radar. Um, we've been next, speaking of rating, reviewing, and subscribing. Uh, we've been promising to read some reviews. Um, yes, about, we have. Um, yeah. And uh, we have a few reviews. Um, and uh, we got a very special review. Actually, a few weeks ago. I'm kind of behind on this. But a good friend, Miss Meg, from the Addictionary Podcast. Um, Love you know, Miss Meg. She, she actually did did us a solid, and she listened to it. I really just wanted her to listen to it. I was curious because I have a lot of respect for her. I love her podcast, and I thought, great show! You should she, all go listen to it. Yeah, she actually listened to it, but then she came back and said, "Man, this is really good, and I really enjoyed it." And she wrote the following uh, review, Miss Meg, and the title is "It's Five Stars." Let me say, start by saying that uh, entertaining, synergistic, and. Uh, And then there's three dots. I guess that means there's more, Mm. and it says, it reads, okay guys, you are knocking it out of the park with this podcast. First of all, the synergy you both have with one another is amazing. I was listening in my headphones on a recent road trip and was cracking up the whole way as my boyfriend looked at me like I was some lunatic. Your banter is great and it's so Mm. much entertainment value Feels like home. I love that one. That's great. Also, I love how you are both sharing your authentic experiences with recovery methods without preaching or aligning with just one avenue. Nat, I loved hearing that you tried Camprol as well as now Traxone Vivitrol. Most people know little about these medication options, so it's amazing that you are willing to share that. Don't worry about endorsing pharma. People want to know what their options are out there, so don't hold back looking forward to much more happy listening keep rocking you guys only a few episodes in and you already have a solid foundation here congrats for all of it thanks for creating such a refreshing pod sincerely your new dedicated fan and that's right miss meg from the addictionary podcast wow that awesome review and thank you so much for doing that and that's a great um, review yeah it really is um it's a nice one nice
1: and detailed and she her the care. focus of her podcast is um she does a lot about uh, mat doesn't she
0: she talks a lot about alternative like methods it, oh she, yeah she does right. she's a clinician i'm not sure exactly of what sort but i know she does studies or participates in studies or is, is running trials on. The, so she's very involved in the cutting edge of of recovery methods using you know like she she does a lot on cannabis uh, assisted stuff. and
1: um, Right. I, that's the one or two episodes I listened was, to were cannabis related. Yeah.
0: Yeah. She was doing, you know, so there's a lot of interesting and she gets really well uh, versed um, people who, who can talk about it uh, from their experience and their research. And it, it's really cool. It's very cutting edge, very uh, you know, it's uh, kind of like the third rail of recovery mm. um, where people get very uncomfortable when you talk about using ketamine. To <laughs> right, you know, right, yes, the uh symptoms.
1: Well, um, thanks again, Ms. Meg, and guys, head over and have a listen to that pot, her podcast. Um, I, I, I saw a review came in also that I'd like to read. Um, this one is um less than five star review, um, but what? it's not, it's not, it's not a terrible one, it's it's four stars. Uh, and the title is Not Shabby.
0: Not shabby.
1: Not shabby. Shabby sheep. Um, It's definitely worth listening to. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you're looking for an intellectual slash kind of comedic show, kind of comedic. Um, Interesting topic so far, the guests were good. The one host could interrupt less when he isn't breathing heavily or laughing after things said, Uh, but for a new podcast, it's well done. So when when you and I first uh, went over that review, both of us being um, somewhat insecure, uh, neurotic. Um Ooh, me? I, yeah, both thought that the guy was talking about... Uh, et- me like i thought it was talking about me you thought he was talking about you to this day we don't know who who he or she was talking about so
0: i'm the heavy breathing annoyingly interrupting just like i did i just then i just interrupted you and then and i'm gonna laugh about it see if uh
1: if gumdrop 225 is listening could you uh send an email to either nat or myself and let us know which of which one of us is more annoying We would we would appreciate some clarification on that
0: yeah (laughs) <laughs> but um, look, we're happy to get reviews, even if they aren't five stars. But no, and actually,
1: that's a nice review. We, it is. It's it's good. It, we're um, you know somewhat funny and uh, breathing heavily. But yes,
0: thank, <laughs> yeah, thank you for the review. Left handed compliment, um, but we'll take it. We will yeah, take sure, it. sure. It's all so, good. You know, give us a review, and um, and if you uh, write a write one, we'll we'll read it. It gives us some fodder. Um, this weekend, me and Mike, we, we the much-discussed Cub Scout trip, it was just a one-day thing, not an overnight. And God. What, were they earning badges? I wasn't clear on that. Uh, I'm not
1: clear on it either, and and you and I are the ones that should be clear on that since we're technically <laughs> the leaders of this bag, band of ragtag ruffians. I know. Um, well, certainly but I don't know. I'm sure we can shoehorn it into some badge or other.
0: There was a dozen dads that just had like were completely useless like mm-hmm. i get, like i guess if you're just a dad along or the, or a mom along for the for the ride you're not expected to like pretty much do anything but sit there and make sure your kid doesn't like light himself on fire but
1: and they didn't do that so much either no, my dad.
0: they were literally like what are you doing there you know the kids are running everywhere and i feel like it was just like you mean i guess they're supposed to be the leaders you know like it's all on us but I mean, I don't think if I wasn't a leader and I was there, I would still be trying to keep the kids from, you know, running off and running amok. You know? I,
1: but- I feel more like I should be more responsible about my kids when someone else's parent is technically in charge. <laughs> but apparently that's not a popular uh, no. concept among the dads we were with. Um, but, but I think like the reason it was so well attended by parents um, was because of the, uh, of the weaponry involved you know there was archery right. and and shooting of bb guns and slingshots so yeah. uh, that's not the sort of thing you want to entrust to somebody like nat or i like you don't want to give your child to us and let us take them into the woods and shoot things
0: yeah which is pretty much what it was i mean it was it was a, a bit of slingshotting and i don't know when in the wild you would ever find yourself like oh man finally had my slingshot but they that's exactly cover.
1: what Ben said. I thought that was such a weird thing for him to say. He's like, well, why are we learning how to shoot rifles? It's not like I can make a rifle in the woods. Right. And I said, well, <laughs> what am I going to be using this rifle? Like- <laughs> I said, that's kind of not the po- point, but yeah, okay. It's interesting. The- you, you, your yeah. mind works the same as my 10-year-old.
0: Yeah, <laughs> Many, my wife would definitely <laughs> agree with you. I have a very similar uh, logic to a 10-year-old. But um, it was really cool doing like, and these they had these NRA guys, watching the range Mm -hmm. um who were like in charge of it and man they scared the uh the discipline into our kids which i thought was great you know they were micro managing each movement you had to ask for permission to come onto the range and um the kids really but they did a great job and i think they had a lot of fun and um i I thought this was a joke when you said that we were going to be firing bows arrows and bb guns but not a joke, folks. Uh, we really had nine and 10-year-olds. Well,
1: it, all, it also brought all the, the dads out, too, because yeah. I think secretly in the back of everyone's mind, they were hoping they would get to shoot bows, arrows, and BB guns as well. <laughs> exactly. Didn't quite work out that
0: way. But, I didn't uh, get a chance, but I was there. I was watching closely. And uh,
1: and that's something, you know, that if, if uh, you know, not to put too fine a point on it, but if I was still drinking and you were still doing what you used to do, you know, it, it, the idea of... Going out on a Sunday like that in the woods with the kids for like eight hours would have seemed like not the way, <laughs> the way you wanted to spend a Sunday.
0: No, yeah, right. but
1: I found myself looking forward to it and I
0: enjoyed yeah. it. You know, yeah, it was great. It's true, Ben. Like I was thinking that same thing because we had to get up. Um, it was a Sunday, and uh, I, you know, you came to my house uh, by seven thirty, and um, I didn't really sleep that great the night before. But man, I was energized. And I would have never, you know, I had enough energy to go around. I don't know. I mean, like if you saw, I was all over the place, like managing the kids who were, you know, in the back and like, you know, you were doing the one part of it uh, up front. And I was trying to get the stragglers back and it was like nonstop hiking and uh, on top of kids and making sure they're doing well, not on top
1: kids, that, no, the, no, on that that. Kind of
0: kids because that's they got in trouble for that. <laughs> that's a, you know, please, please angry letters. Uh, Mike R <laughs> at middle ages star
1: reviews coming.
0: Yeah. But being, being sober, um, you know, makes all that stuff so much more bearable. And you know what, by the time we got to the end of that day and, um, they were like, Oh, and you want to do like get our hiking badge or whatever we were well within our like reasonable rights to be like, that's too much. We yeah. are. done, And it wasn't because I was hungover. It wasn't because I was meeting, uh, w- waiting to pick up a bag somewhere and I was rushing home. It was like, you know what? We've had a long day.
1: <laughs> yeah. It was, it was, it was more day. prosaic than that. It was like my feet hurt. We, my feet definitely <laughs> I want to stop now. i to sit down. And
0: it was cool because we, we got a, real, a chance to just kind of sit in the car and our kids were in the back, um, hanging out with their phones or whatever and so we got a chance to just kind of talk about the show and talk about you know our future plans You know, things are going pretty good with this show where it's really turned out better than i think we both kind of imagined it mm-hmm. would be dads um there was definitely it, there's one dad um particular who i remembered from when we did the uh, the cub family weekend um sleepover and it was at a time where i wasn't Outwardly, people like I wasn't supposed to be drinking.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I was either on probation at the time, so it was illegal for me to drink, and getting caught meant uh, violating probation and going to jail. And um, and also just my wife, like I was not allowed to drink. Like it was, you know, divorce worthy if if I were yeah. gonna at that point. So, um, and I think you were not sober yet, because that was a few years ago now. This is like three years ago, maybe? I
1: I was not. But as I think we discussed maybe last week, um, I was very nervous of getting caught by the Boy Scout police. Right. And being, I don't know, thrown out of having to pack up in the middle of the night and get thrown out. So I was...
0: You're right, and be disgraced.
1: But it, it did drive me crazy because I had a single glass of wine, and I think I snuck a beer... And then for the rest of the night, all I wanted to do was drink more, but. <laughs> you
0: know, and so, um, and I wasn't, and I also was not comfortable telling people that, you know, I don't drink. I didn't have like a confidence that I have today. Like I don't have any problem saying I don't drink or, right. you know, I have a few jokes that I, you know, that I can do some shtick. Oh, I'm allergic. Oh, you are. And I'm like, yeah, if I drink, I break out in handcuffs. That's a good <laughs> one. And so I wasn't at that point. And, uh, you know, so one of the dads who is like the lead drinker guy, uh, you know, he's like, he kept coming over to me because I had my wife and kids on this trip. And uh, after it was like time for the kids to go to bed, he's like, God, me and uh, some of the guys are, you know, we're going to be having some adult beverages around the fire and why don't you come out? And I'm like, it was really nice of him to invite me, you know, but if the first time I was like, yeah, no, nah, man, I'm, uh, I'm going to hit the hay uh, early day tomorrow. And then came back like five minutes later, hey, uh, man, you want to, we're hanging out, you know, let you come hang out. We're going to have a few drinks and uh, da, 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 And I was again, like, no, no, th-. and then I start to feel like uncomfortable that I was sort of denying, you know, this, this attempt to, you know, probably get to know me better, maybe to even, uh, you know, be friends or, you know, that sort of thing. So mm-hmm. you really like miss out. Cause you know, what if I was like, you know, maybe if I was more confident, I could have said, uh, I I don't want to. I can't have a drink, but I'll come hang out. You know, maybe I should have done that. You know, but I didn't feel comfortable doing that because then you're like a you're a jerk for like who are you? Why are you so great? You're not drinking, you know, and people. Yeah, like it's a weird idea. I don't know
1: that. I I know where that's coming from. I know that feeling. I've had that feeling, but I, know I look at that now, it's kind of silly because, I mean, it would be one thing if those guys were just sitting around the fire having a beer or two, but you know from what i recall that night devolved into some serious alcoholism um seriously like I uh, yeah there were guys who were so wasted they had to be put to bed at the end of the night and this, what? yeah and what and was that oh don't tell I, me i can't i can't really say because i'll tell you later but yeah
0: yeah cuz you know, i didn't know that i slept through that whole thing
1: yeah and so you know and th- and that happened on another camping trip went really? on. Yeah. Some, somebody brought, buddy brought a handle of scotch and ended oh. up killing three quarters of it, you know, practically by himself. And, wow. You know, I mean, I've, and I've said this before, like, is that social drinking? Like, I don't think so. I think that's just like, no alcoholic drinking, you know, under the guise of, you know, being, hanging out with the guys around the fire, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. true. And none of these guys are
0: yep. in their twenties or thirties no, really. No, they're not, no, yeah. they're older guys like, like we are. And, um, it also says a lot, like when I look back on where I was at in my recovery, cause I was still, I'd like to say I was in recovery and, and, uh, you know, that's, that's a flash point, but like at that time I was actively like, you know, be it like a lot of it was court ordered, but I was, you know, I, I was sincerely trying to get better. Now mm-hmm. I was also still like, you know, at the jumping off point where like, I didn't want to drink anymore, but. I really wanted to have a drink. So I was still very unhappy, not being able to drink. Um, And like, and when I look at myself or today, that same thing, like I'm, I'm in a place now where I don't feel bad that I'm not drinking. Like I feel better that you know, I feel like it's one less thing to worry about, but I don't sit there and go, man, if only I could just Drinking a little no. scotch, you know, at the camp out with the other dads. Like, that doesn't even enter my mind. Whereas at the time I was, I was suffering, you know, like some of those guys who've been in recovery for a long time, like every day is a battle and every day I've got a one minute at a time. And it's like, really? Like, if, <laughs> if you've been in recovery for maybe
1: you're doing something wrong,
0: something very <laughs> wrong. If you are still struggling every single day to not drink and use, there is a serious problem with your program uh, mm. or, or your recovery because I, that's, I'm not interested in that. I'm not interested in struggling every day to not drink that. That sounds insane to me. It sounds and horrible. Why would I want to do that? Why would I even think about that? That sounds like a nightmare. So flip the script, man. Absolutely. So to, to be at a point where, I'm not struggling every day to not drink. Like every once in a while I'll get an old memory of like, Oh, I remember Bloody Mary was, was mm. good at some point, but I, I could quickly say, yeah, but it makes you feel like shit. And the the vodka makes the drink taste sour and annoying and you get a headache. You know, it's like, I'm not really yeah. like wishing I could do that.
1: I mean, the Bloody Mary's great for 20 minutes while you're sitting there with your sunglasses on looking cool. And then, you're sleeping on the couch in the afternoon when your kids want to go play ball or something and,
0: and that yeah, and,
1: you, you know, know and then you're hung over the next day and then you it know, just sucks It's never one Bloody Mary, so right <laughs> <laughs> To me, I mean I, you know I look at I look at that now and I think you know it's so it's such such for me such more a more preferred state is to not drink the Bloody Mary because
0: yeah, yeah. my life is so much
1: better not drinking the Bloody Mary anyway yeah, i don't know you
0: can really believe that and you can tell it until you deep down inside i know this is for me deep down inside until i really can you know believe that and intellectually understood that and emotionally i was it, i was in that nightmare of like i i can't drink and what the hell why can't i drink and these these uh you know, the county is punishing me for being an alcoholic and you know, and they don't understand and this is a disease and I can't control it and I'm powerless. Um, I just don't feel that way anymore. Um again, that's just me. I mean
1: part of it is is that's the way the human mind works, right? If I tell you don't think about an elephant, what are you gonna think about all the time? Yeah, right? giraffe. I mean, if you say you can't have this, then all you're gonna think about is is having right. it. <laughs> right. it's just it's human nature but so maybe there's another way to look at it you know um,
0: definitely and and the more research in the that we've been doing here on the show um there are definitely and, and you know i was having this conversation with the my lovely and talented wife she's awesome love. your um, wife's the best so she's awesome um happy birthday <laughs> to her by the way a exactly. happy birthday yeah um before i go on and on and on Um, I wanted to mention, uh, you know, that we're in the throes of October Mm. and, uh, for me, October is a real measuring stick for how my recovery and how my life is. Um, I've got my wife's birthday, my mom's birthday on the 12th, wife on the 19th, my son, my nine-year-old son's turning 10 on the 24th, my brother's on the 26th of October, My anniversary is on the 29th.
1: Jesus Christ, dude. Yeah. That's (laughs) for drunk, sober, whatever. That's a a burden to bear. A lot of stuff going on.
0: Yeah. and, And I have memories of previous years when I was, you know, chasing one addiction or another and attempting to just do the right thing and like to be prepared and to have a car like the little things like I got a card several days in advance of my wife's birthday. And I bought gifts with my kids for their mom. Like I would never have done that in the past, you know, like ever, not even close. It was a continual disappointment. And believe me, I I can be a disappointment to my wife all on my own without, you know, drinking and doing drugs, (laughs) you know, but uh, this year I, you know, I was on top of things and, and uh, yes, I have a lot of anxiety because I've, I've packed on some extra things to do like, um, you know, just take it, finishing this college degree. I don't know why I thought this was a good time to do it, but I figured good a time as any. And so I've got some extra, you know, anxiety, but I, I mean, I wasn't even doing anything else but trying to catch up with my uh, dope habit or um, you know, give sneak a drink and, and the money you spend and it's just, man, And so October being a measure for success in my life, uh, I feel pretty good, you know?
1: Well, uh, and kudos to you for being able to swing all that. Um, I I just, I remember the saying that I heard, I was probably in AA that, you know, addiction or being, being a uh, a drunk is like a full-time job that you don't get paid for, but you still have to schedule it in, uh, you know, along with all the rest of the stuff. And uh, it's funny how that, full-time job ten, tended to get preference over the, the actual job and the other things that needed to get done, you know?
0: Yeah. Um, and and so. to not be able to, to just be a good person, you know, in general, because you're constantly massaging the inner addict and, and trying to make yourself feel better when um, there is, you're not feeling better. You're just um, prolonging the, you're an inevitable Slow, painful, and lonely death. <laughs> right. Yeah. <Yay>. So, um, <laughs> holidays. Yeah, um, and uh, you know, it's October, and not only do we have birthdays galore and anniversaries, but it's also you know, it's the the holidays are beginning to loom. I don't know. Um, I, I mean, Halloween is sort of a pseudo holiday, but you it's know, not of my
1: house, it's not. It,
0: <laughs> it really portends you know, doom for, you know, Thanksgiving is coming Mm. and, you know, before you know it um, you're at Christmas and and, uh, Hanukkah and Kwanzaa festivus and all the rest of us.
1: Well, we were talking uh, earlier and trying to come up with some, uh, some holiday stories of um, bad behavior. I, I remember thinking like, I know I was drunk on most major holidays but i'm having i was having a really hard time remembering stories because i was was usually drunk yeah (laughs) and i just don't remember Uh, i had to go back back a ways
0: did you do the like the 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 night before thanksgiving is the biggest night of the oh yeah did you do that yep
1: Yep. usually it was spent at the shamrock bar
0: right uh
1: in the town next to the town that we presently live in right Spent my tender years uh, and would come back as my parents lived there um, and they sold a cocaine in that bar, uh, quite, mm. quite a bit of cocaine in that bar. I remember one Christmas Eve in particular, my sister was uh, around and she had the hookup uh, with the bartender who was selling, selling Coke and um, bought a big bag of that and stayed up uh, Christmas Eve until I could no. hear the birds chirping on Christmas morning. Yeah. And then, you know, I, my parents had got up around 8 a.m. Uh, and we ha- had us all in the living room. And uh, I, you know, I've seen pictures of that day. Hell yeah! Oh And I do not look um, well and I did not <laughs> feel well. And um, the rest of that day is just a haze. But, but I mean, that's the thing when you go around the horn before a holiday, Ugh. it's just, a, it's a fun. horrible feeling. Because by the afternoon on the day of the holiday itself, you're just, you're just spent. You're not, you're not good company unless you start pouring liquor down your throat again.
0: It's torture. And I'll I'll never forget um, when my wife and I used to party back in the day when we were first dating, you know, because we would all be doing our Thanksgivings together. But so Thanksgiving eve we would go out and you know bag a blow two bags of blow Mm. all night long try and go to sleep by five o'clock nobody's sleeping eight o'clock yeah you you start getting up and you know a mother needs help you know getting ready for the big day and just we're all toasted right and um and it's not just hang hung over when it's cocaine (laughs) it's it's well worse than than a than a hangover because for me it was a lingering sense of just being unsettled, crippling depression. The crippling depression, the coming down off of that shit mm-hmm. is just, I used to, not on a holiday per se, but uh, in the early 2000s when I was doing a lot of blow, um, and I wasn't partying, you know, I would get it and then I would sort of secretly do it and then try and go to sleep next to my fiance <laughs> and my wife at the time. Try and go to but sleep. Literally. That's a good yeah. one. I would end up like, (laughs) I would start, I would clutch a Bible. I I used to do the Bible and I would clutch the Bible and just pray for death. Yes. And there. didn't come though. Death did not come, you know, thank God. But it was just a long, horrible night and there was nothing fun. The fun for me, I don't remember the last time. I mean, if I really tried uh, to remember the last time, it's funny when I, 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 my last sponsor in AA Um, Brian, I remember he was telling me one time, like, you know, when he was 12 stepping me, like kind of, you know, how many, uh, good times, like straight up, just good times. Can you really remember? Is it more than 10? And then how many really horrible times have you had just Mm. disasters and count, count how many, you know, on your hand, like you can remember. And it, it came down to, I had like two that I could remember in the history of my life. That was like all good times and happy stuff, hmm. and it didn't take much thinking at all to conjure up all of the horror stories that were at the very front of my mind, you know.
1: Well, I, I, when it comes to cocaine, I've never had a good ending, like ever. I, I you know, none of those the ever end is, well.
0: is pretty horrific. I mean, the know,
1: beginning of the night is is, annex. is great, man. Lock and load, yeah. and all that, but I was never one to use. Um, anything to come down off a of Coke, uh, yeah. other than alcohol, which, you know, you can drink like a fish and it doesn't really do anything.
0: No, it's, but it's like, purgatory. I, I don't re-
1: no. ever remember a cocaine story ending well.
0: No, it, it really, yeah. I never just kind of like casually did cocaine and then like had rest of my night you know kind of is that even is that possible to casually do cocaine i I feel like i have these romantic ideas in my head when i I listen to these memoirs of people just like they get their bag of coke for the day and they go to work and then that was like just every day like you know being functional and doing coke every day like i tried to do that no
1: way you're not functional. You're 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 it's functional a, as long as it's, You go to the bathroom, you do a bump. You go back to your desk, and the only thing you're thinking about thinking is doing about, another bump.
0: Yeah, come on. Yeah, there's, there's no <laughs> there's no functionality and No, that's not functional. That's, no, and then you'll end up like being paranoid and sneaking around and looking at who's looking at you. And uh,
1: that drug messes with your serotonin more than more than anything, any other <laughs> drug, I think.
0: I think I I probably did more damage to my brain abusing uh, amphetamines like Ritalin in college and cocaine for years after uh, than anything else. You know, I mean, I, I, you know, depression runs in my family and I definitely have suffered from depression, but I don't remember a time before I did drugs, you know, where I was conscious of being depressed. So it's, Mm -hmm. it's very hard for me to even know if it's the drugs that, to the damage. I mean, what I know today is that I've been clean a while. Um, you know, I, I get sad when it's appropriate um, right. or I get down when, you know, sometimes things are hard and I'm struggling with, you know, my job or school or my kids, but it's like, I'm supposed to be, you know, um, I can stay positive, but I'm not just like, there's no constant impending sense of doom. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Did, did you have that? I mean, yeah. I mean, i my, uh,
1: you know, they say everybody's got sort of like a happiness set point and some of us are set higher than others. Mm-hmm. And I was always sort of a positive person, albeit cynical, you know, a cynical positive person if such a thing exists. <laughs> um, so I never really recall suffering from depression before I used drugs, but certainly um, after that. Uh, after abusing cocaine for a number of years and the drinking you know i think it just it changes your brain chemistry in some way in the way your body processes serotonin and stuff so yeah I, I can sort of recognize it now you know that feeling of nothing i don't you don't want to do anything everything's hopeless nothing, everything sucks and you just want to lie on the couch for days on end um less since i stopped drinking though
0: yeah, the way they described it to me when I was in an intensive outpatient, uh, where, where it was kind of like, is intensive outpatient therapy, something like three hours, three times a week. A lot of it is what they call psychoeducation, where they uh, they teach you, you know, what, what the drugs are doing neurologically. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, one that really stuck out to me is when they explain, you know, like when you're doing drugs and drinking all the time, um, people, most addicts, or recovered addicts, report that the things that would normally make you happy—that would be like a nice sunny day, right? Or a drive with the wind going through your hair, or you see, you know, your your football team is on TV and you're excited for it. Like your brain ha- had like a happiness like threshold that when. Your your when something happened to you, your serotonin, I think it's the serotonin, not this, the dopamine. Don't quote me on that. Would would spike to that level, and you'd feel happy. Mm-hmm. And when you first do like cocaine or heroin, or I think even drinking can do this, it busts through that that threshold by like four hundred percent. And I think once, it
1: is dopamine.
0: It's the dopamine. Yeah. And Once you crack that threshold, you need to keep hitting that high. Right you know, literally the high, um, and anything outside of that artificial spike in your dopamine, like, you know, your dog licks your face or whatever it is, things that you like to do. I used to like get a, I used to love like studying chess books. I know that sounds insane, but I really like, I liked it. I like mm-hmm. to do things like that. And
1: That's not going to give you the same dopamine hit as a line of blow, though.
0: No, not even close. (laughs) Not even close. As much as I like chess, but you know. And eventually, after, I mean, my brain—that's why people get so depressed after they stop using, and um, Mm -hmm. and they're trying and trying and trying to feel better, and it takes months and months. It
1: takes a long time, but your brain eventually does sort of rewire itself.
0: It does because there's a
1: neuroplasticity is like one of the greatest things that we have in our brain.
0: Right. And, and I was thinking about this the other day. um, when I get home, my my youngest son just likes to go for a walk around our neighborhood and and we play something called we made up called Swords and Dragons, which is, you know, uh, it's not Dungeons and Dragons because we don't want right. to really get sued. It's sort but we call it swords <laughs> and Dragons. And we walk around with, you know, sticks and all the trees are dragons. And he, he, he does like a running dialogue. He's really funny. He's like constantly, you know, making up what we're supposed to be doing and, you know, where the power up areas are and, uh, and the trees. And some of them are dragons. And like, anytime I try and interject and be like, Oh, I've found a dragon here. And he's like, that's just a tree, daddy. The dragon's <laughs> over there. Right. What are you talking about? I'm like, Oh <laughs> yeah, of course. And, uh, and I was thinking to myself, it's a beautiful day. It's a beautiful fall day. I'm just enjoying this and I feel good, mm-hmm. um, you know, and just to be able to do that, you know, and, and every day, just the, the wonderful things that we have in our life. And that's
1: um, why gratitude is so important in recovery. Attitude of stop gratitude. And, yeah. You have to stop and notice that stuff when you're feeling, when you're feeling it, but not every day is like that, unfortunately.
0: It's not. And some of the hardest times, watch the segue, Mike. Some of the hardest times to to stay happy and to keep yourself in a positive mood is when you're away from home. Like, you, yeah. are right now. Right. And, um, you know, you're not in your normal surroundings, which sometimes can be good. But, you know, when, when you have uh, kids, small, even if you don't have kids, being away from home and to be taking care of the things you're, you're used to having, even if it's just being in your own bed, there's a certain amount of loneliness, alienation, Oh, big time! You know, and um, I don't know for me, but you know, did you? I know you traveled a lot for work. You know, was this was this a time where you would really hit the bottle hard?
1: Oh yeah, oh yeah, I would, I would be in the hotel bar right now. It's uh, (laughs) it's four fifty-five p.m. Uh, I would have been on a second glass of wine at least by now. Um, because I mean, once you get to where you're going, you know, I traveled a lot when the kids were younger too. So. I've been on the road, as it were, for, you know, the last 13 years or so. And, um, you know, times where travel was heavy and times where it wasn't as heavy, but uh, it was consistent. And, um, you know, you get to the place that you're going in somewhere that you've never been and you don't know anybody. You set your suitcase down. Your meeting is probably the next morning. And then it's three o'clock in the afternoon. So you have to fill the hours between three o'clock in the afternoon and the next morning when your meeting is. Now, if you like to drink, there's plenty of opportunities for you as a traveler, a business traveler to do that, because the whole system is set up to provide the business traveler with as much booze as as humanly possible, Right, because everybody is. Um, who's wandering around uh, to all these business meetings is, is suffering with the same feelings of loneliness and alienation. So you end up down in the hotel bar running into people that are doing the same thing that you're doing. Uh, So maybe you can talk to them for a while, but I did a lot, awful lot of drinking at the hotel bar by myself. And then I would sort of wander out and try and find something to eat. I would drink more at dinner. And then, you know, I, I remember, I would get back to the hotel room and if I would only had like five drinks, I would think, okay, that's good. I'll be able to function no problem tomorrow morning, um, which was not true. I was still, you know, a little, I, w- I was off at five drinks, but, you know, I've also had nights where I've stayed out. You know, I, I remember one particular night in Houston where I went to some local hillbilly bar and ended up hanging out with some, I don't know, some oil guys until like four o'clock in the morning. And then I rolled out of bed and went to and did the thing I had to do the next day, which was, right. you know, you know, it, it was it was very difficult because, you know, I negotiate you know, settlements, uh, lawsuits, and, and you got to be on your game to do that. You can't just roll in half in the bag, you know, and, and <laughs> you're, you know, and it's, you know, it's enormous sums of money. So it's like, there's accountability, you know? So, yeah. You
0: screw it up. It's on you.
1: And I hated that feeling. Like, you know, I, I had to, to perform and, and uh, you know, I was, I knew I was diminished by, by the you know, the extracurriculars the night before. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, COVID was kind of almost a blessing for me, you know, because it, it sort of kicked in about six months after I stopped drinking. And, um, you know, I, I had to negotiate a few work conferences and a few, you know, m- work meetings uh, sober, and that was fine. Um, but I would have had to do it a lot more often. So I, I've sort of replaced my, my going down to the hotel bar with like obsessively um, thinking about what to eat for dinner or and,
0: checking uh, download numbers yeah, and what checking download numbers. Yeah. Right. Yeah.
1: I mean, or like today I'm in Pittsburgh and instead of, you know, wondering what I should be doing, I'm doing the podcast, which, right. you know, is good. Um, I also try and find frozen yogurt places in every city. Like I've become a very uh, old uh, a man. <laughs> <laughs> But I used to I used to try and get to places early and find something interesting to do, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, like visit a museum or whatever. But, you know, usually when three or four o'clock rolled rolled around, I would be out, you know, in the bar.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's That's
1: no longer an option. So I don't I just don't think about it that way. You
0: have to be a little more creative, I think, Um, uh, especially when you're first trying to do it sober. And, you know, oh, yeah. You yeah. definitely got, got a, it made it a little easier, like you said, because you had a chance to focus on, you know, your sobriety and you're in a bit of a safe space because your your wife is on board with you not drinking. But she's not, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but she, was she like, do, was she doing like the finger shaking, I'm going to leave you if you no. don't stop drinking? Or was no, this
1: not you? If you would ask her, she would say, I had no idea you were struggling.
0: No kidding. Yeah. So that's very interesting. You, you never, you know, she wasn't like, wow, our life is falling apart. You know, you're destroying our marriage. You no, stop.
1: like I always say, you know, it's a continuum. Right. And mm-hmm. I was not at that end of the continuum.
0: Gotcha. You
1: no, know. uh, Outwardly I looked cool, much, cool, by much by more way. together than I was inside my <laughs> head though.
0: That's why she's still nice to you, by the way. <laughs> uh, she's,
1: you know, she's great. She, uh, we, cool. we get along very well. Yeah.
0: So, yeah, man. So I mean, that that's really cool, though. But uh, I, I feel I, I feel
1: ba- a little bit bad, and I've said this before too. Like I feel bad, like you know, she's still you know drinking wine, you know, a glass of wine at night or something, and you know, she's lost her her wine buddy.
0: Yeah. Uh, Sometimes I feel bad
1: about that. But,
0: but like you know, you know, even my wife when she's drinking, like I don't like avoid her when she's having a glass of yeah, wine. Yeah, no, no. I grab my Coca Cola. Right. Or, exactly my main, honestly, my main go-to is very boring, but I have a tall glass that I fill with ice and I just, I drink ice water Mm -hmm. and, and that's, I've retrained myself to, that's what I go for. That's my first go-to. And if I'm feeling very froggy, I'll go, I think I'm going to crack open one of these Mexican Coke. And it's, you know, the kind of Mexican Coke I can get away with doing. Mm -hmm. Um, These days. And, uh, and it's refreshing and it's a special treat. And, you know, a lot of it was retraining myself with setting your expectations and,
1: you know, I'll have a drink with you. It's just not going to be an alcoholic drink.
0: Right. It was funny. We were out to dinner, uh, the other night at, uh, I can't remember the circumstances why we were out, but, um, we were out nonetheless. And, uh, and my wife ordered like this beautiful pumpkin spice, you know, rimmed with sugar thing. And, um, and it looked great, but I honestly, I, I didn't like, it's funny, the proof that it's working on me, this cognitive, you know, uh, redirection is that like, the first thing I thought of is why would you ruin like a great pumpkin flavored beverage, you know, with alcohol and <laughs> but you need all that sugar on the, on the edges. Is that like to cut that that sour flavor. Like there's a reason there's all that sugar there. It's because it's trying to make something that is basically unpalatable and poisonous kind of more palatable right? (laughs) and tricking your body into thinking it's, it's not poison. Um, And if you had to
1: drink alcohol straight, no one would drink it.
0: Absolutely not. Um, They were even saying, I don't know if we talked about this last week, but uh, like a rat in, in a cage in a science lab, you know, won't, will disregard alcohol. And, uh, you know, when it's offered to them, unless they're forced to drink it for a little mm-hmm. bit, then right. they go back to it and yeah. then they can't get well, enough. And then the physical addiction kicks but in. they would naturally like, blah, you know, they know better. That's what your nose is made for. To sniff out, you know, rotten foods. It's a survival instinct. Yep. Um, and And that's why you have to quote unquote acquire a taste. It's like you have to convince your body that the poison you're drinking is actually great. Yeah, and um, it's good for you. So um, it's
1: an upside-down world.
0: It is, and and I haven't been on a work trip in ages because I mean I used to for one business I owned, I was traveling. I was in the auto finance industry, and I would go to Las Vegas, and um, I Can't wasn't get into
1: any trouble in Las Vegas.
0: You know, and, and I was, uh, you know, and I was one of the main guys or the main guy in that company, so. I had to be on my game all the time. I was very young too. I was like 25 maybe. Mm. But I wasn't in the depth of my depravity at that point. Like I drank, but I didn't get like blasted when I was in Vegas. I was focused on work and I was like, I don't know. Like I don't remember like getting like wasted or anything. I, I was really at, a, at an innocence point in my addiction where I was drinking you know, like a couple of drinks and maybe I'd have three or four and that was a lot. And then I'd go to bed, but I wasn't like seeking out drugs when I was at a, at a state for one thing. I wasn't <laughs> at that level. Yeah. And, um, it was before things got really, really bad for me, but you know, you are definitely like just being away and you don't know what to do. And, and everybody you're at these conferences with is meeting up at the bar and, you know, happy hour culture and things like that and um you can get 6
1: 7 drinks in before dinner if you really work it uh yeah. more drinking at dinner and then more drinking after dinner
0: yeah that, yeah. that was
1: my experience And last time i was in vegas for a conference but
0: <laughs> it's just you're... nonstop or drinking at the conference i was at a internet marketing uh for this other company i was consulting with and uh at, at this conference it was at the the Javit center and there was Places to get drinks while you were perusing the uh, exhibitors, um, which I was happy to go grab a drink and walk around with uh, the Free stuff and stuff like that. Um, uh, unfortunately, I'm 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 watching the time, and I hate that I'm doing that because I've got to get my son to his soccer practice.
1: Yeah, I know we're uh,
0: somehow. Yeah, um, and, and I don't want to cut the show short, but what I'm thinking is. Uh, I did want to talk about reco- the recovery in the news uh, part. So, if you you want to you want to cut to that,
1: yeah. Let's uh,
0: let's put that other thing next time. Yeah. Okay. okay. So,
1: recovery, recovery in the
0: news. Recovery recovery, recovery. recovery. Those of
1: you waiting for the uh, the music, uh, we're we're a little uh, low rent this week. Yes, I don't have yes, the board. I didn't drag so the board with me to, to Pittsburgh. Imagine
0: the, so. imagine the music.
1: So, two interesting things on recovery in the news this week. Um, the first one that I'd like to touch on, if you'll pardon the pun, rather briefly is um the New Yorker suspends Jeffrey Tubin after a Zoom incident. Uh those of you who don't read the New Yorker, which is probably most of you, um may re- may know Jeffrey Tubin from CNN where he is the um legal affairs comment commentator.
0: Yes. Um, known talks as the best
1: debater. Uh, he's a master debater and uh you know he comments on the uh, the court system there for the network and uh you know, apparently he was engaging in a bit of judicial overreach himself. Mm-hmm. Wow. Uh, and I, I it, sorry, that joke, all it credit's due to God. Hello. our guest from a couple of weeks ago, Seamus. Um, anyway. <laughs> anyway, so apparently for those of you that haven't been following this in the news, Mr. Tubin was on a, um, he was on a Zoom call uh, with all of his coworkers and they were playing various roles um, in a sort of debate scenario. A of
0: debate,
1: Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, apparently he was also on another zoom call at the same time where with his pants around his ankle, uh, giving his tool, what for, as the British say. And, um, oh. then, uh, he switched back to the New Yorker
0: and they were horrified uh, zoom
1: call without knowing it. Uh, and they all watched him, uh, you know,
0: Rough,
1: rough up the suspect. Yeah. Rough up the suspect, wrangle the snake, whatever oh, you want to call it.
0: Jeffrey so, Newman, I like that guy. Now,
1: I don't know what this you say, well, what does this have to do with recovery? And I would say, uh, my, if I had a crystal ball, I would guess that Tubin's next move is going to be to go to a rehab of some sort, yeah. uh, to deal with his, <laughs> his addiction to whatever he's going to be addicted to. I, I would say it's to maybe to, um, Living dangerous three, dangerously, dangerously, thrill-seeking—certainly uh, some kind of impulse control, which we can all identify with. Um, maybe not the same way that <laughs> the identified
0: with, but I wouldn't be surprised if he's some kind of alcoholic or you know um, having some trouble in that. And but yeah, I mean he's,
1: he's 60 years wrong. old. You know? Uh, you know, it's probably not the first time he's. He's had two windows open on his computer at the same time. No, um, But it's, it's, you know, that's going to mess him up. It's going to mess up his career. And, you know. Um,
0: yeah. It sucks for him.
1: It sucks for him. And, you know, I, sorry he, about it, but you know,
0: if he learns the lesson.
1: Maybe this'll, maybe this'll point him in the right direction. Um,
0: yeah. Pointing a little to the left.
1: You know, uh, the other uh, issue in the news this week is, um, is the story of Hunter Biden and the laptop that was found with the emails on it. And so say whatever you will about the politics behind that. Uh, NPR had a story uh, that dealt with Hunter. Well, first of all, Hunter Biden, for those of you that aren't obsessively following politics, I don't know how you could possibly not know who Hunter Biden is. But if you're not following politics, God bless you. I'd, I'd love to know your secret. Uh, Hunter Biden is the son of Joe Biden, who is the Democratic presidential candidate. And NPR had an, and he has suffered with addiction pro- problems throughout most of his adult life. Uh, and apparently on this laptop that was found were some communications between Hunter Biden and his father, the the presidential candidate Joe Biden, uh, which were actually quite supportive, uh, Joe Biden supporting his son, even though his son's um Addiction issues with uh, crack and cocaine and alcoholism have really caused his father no end of trouble
0: yeah.
1: uh, in, in his political career. But uh, the NPR story about this, uh, the headline is experts say attack on Hunter Biden's addiction Deepens stigma for millions. Um, and it's, it's interesting because, you know, in the first Democratic debate, um, Trump attacked Biden with a false claim about Hunter. He said he got thrown out of the military and he was dishonorably discharged for cocaine use, right. which, which actually wasn't true. He had an administrative discharge, not a, not a dishonorable. Um, but he's, he's spoken, you know, rather openly about his struggles with addiction. Um, and... Joe Biden, to his credit, uh, instead of, you know, throwing him under the bus, said that my son, like a lot of people, like a lot of people, you know, at home had a drug problem. Mm-hmm. He's overtaken it. He's fixed it. He's worked on mm-hmm. it. And I'm proud of him, which I thought was an incredibly mature response. I mean, whatever you think of Joe Biden and his politics, um, yeah, that's an incredibly really- mature way of, yeah. of acknowledging that an issue that so many families in the United States struggle with and, and having it in your own family. And I thought it, it humanized him. Sure. Uh, and th- and that's a clear,
0: clearly a cheap shot. And, and it's a classic move in politics to point out some kind of, you know, flaw in a family member who is, you know, not a member or never has been a member of the father's, you know, business or his political campaign or anything like that. And it's a, you know, just to just like to to sling mud and sort of just make the old man look bad type of thing, you know. And um, not only that, the bringing up, you know, just to stigmatize a a person who's had a drug problem. And this is done all the time, uh, not just in this case. This is sort of symptomatic of a society that is, you know, finger waving. and and making judgments about people, you know, uh, based on their, their problems. And sometimes it is appropriate, you know, uh, not, not, not about the, but like, if you've got a guy who's abusing or children or beats his wife, um, even if it was just, just the son doing that, still, you know, you shouldn't use that to like cast aspersions upon the father, but like just this idea that, you know, a former drug user. Hopefully, he's recovered. But to, to make issue of that, uh, it's low. And I think all of us who have suffered from addiction or had family members, you know, know about that stigmatization and, and know, you know, like when when a family member dies of an overdose, I, how reluctant anybody is to say that mm-hmm. it was a drug overdose. He died of the disease of addiction. People are so embarrassed. They're so, um, you know, afraid. To be roped into that, to be associated with it, and um, it's un- while it's understandable, I know where it comes from. It's it's disgusting. I think.
1: Well, and I think it 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 tells you where we are as a society. That a that was thought of as a legitimate attack that would um, would work, and and B, um, you know, we we have a long way to go as a society. Um, when it comes to how we treat people who are suffering from this this problem.
0: This just in. I don't have to rush out of here. I've got an alternative plan to get my son to soccer so we can <laughs> not rush the end of the show. I just wanted to announce <laughs> that. So uh, that yeah, Mike didn't the uh, needless amazing analysis. So that, that's the breaking news.
1: Well, no, I guess I'm saying pu- punishing, punishing the addict by public shaming is probably not the best way to get Americans the help they need uh, those people suffering from addiction. So,
0: um, so yeah, that's kind of BS and not cool. Not cool. You know, you know how I knew that the, um,
1: the underlying, you know, people are saying that it was a, it was a, um, a foreign, uh, uh, like a dossier dump. Like it wasn't legitimate was because they showed a picture of, uh, Hunter Biden, uh, with a crack pipe in his mouth asleep. (laughs) <laughs> and I'm thinking, no, no, I'm sorry. There's no, <laughs> it doesn't work that way. Back. You don't smoke crack and fall <laughs> asleep. Mouth.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so um, I guess that's recovery in the news. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 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 and now for going to this week in weird. <laughs> <laughs> I can't make that noise. With my this mouth. <laughs> week and weird. <laughs> Massive ancient cat drawing found among Nazca lines. workers refurbishing a platform overlooking the iconic Nazca lines in Peru could not believe their eyes when they stumbled upon a massive drawing of a cat that had been etched into a hillside thousands of years ago according to a press release from the Peruvian Ministry of Culture announcing the remarkable discovery quote the figure was scarcely visible and was about to disappear because it's situated on quite a steep slope that's prone to the effects of natural erosion." Very cool. I love the Nazca lines. If anybody else follows this kind of thing, there are these massive primitive drawings in um, in Peru that depict like monkeys and like a person and like a, a hawk. And um, what's amazing about it is they can really only be seen from way up in the sky and based on when they believed them to be created, there was probably they're thinking like, how were they able to suss out these designs from the ground? You know, probably who knows? I am thinking aliens.
1: It's gotta be aliens and I'm
0: thinking aliens guys.
1: I have to wonder, yeah. By drawing a cat, what were they trying to communicate to the aliens? Like are they warning them about cats? I
0: would, was there a giant cat wandering around down there? Giant cats, monkeys. Um, it's a warning. Or, or it's a call for... We need you know, more cats. More cats, you know. Bring uh, us more cats. We, cats probably come from outer space, see? Low on cats. And that is This Week in Weird. <laughs> that was what we got. That's what we got. <laughs> Um, I think we, look, we did our best folks with what we have and we appreciate you hanging in there with us.
1: Sorry about the audio quality.
0: Well, yeah. I mean, I'm hoping we can do something with it that's serviceable yeah. and by the magic of the interne- internet, and, um, technology. And I want to wish Mike, uh, safe travels. Thank and, you. You know, if you if you're having any trouble while you're away, you can always call me, text me. And um, I will talk you out of having that drink. Uh,
1: Thank you. Thank you. I'm uh, going to go find myself some frozen yogurt and dinner. And be, <laughs> hopefully, go, be I'm in bed so- by nine o'clock. That's my plan. Yoga meditation. All right. Yogurt. Frozen yogurt. Roger. Not
0: R-O-Gurt. yoga. Okay. Maybe yoga. I don't know. Maybe. So follow us on Facebook, rate, review, subscribe, um, get us on Twitter, um, twat us a tweet. And um, find us now on middleagesrecovery.com. And as we say here, proficiat non perfectum.
1: Progress, not perfection.
0: Have a great week. See you next time. Be
1: good, kids.